I don't know if anyone saw Rocky II. I think it was Rocky II. I might be wrong. Uh, just an American classic movie. But anyway, Sylvester Stallone um, was the coach in Rocky II. He wasn't in the ring fighting. There's a guy named Apollo Creed in the ring. And they were like best friends. They, they were like brothers, blood brothers. And, and Apollo Creed was in the ring. And, and he promised Sylvester Stallone who was Rocky in the movie, he said, do not throw the towel in the ring. Whatever happens, do not throw the towel in the ring. Because if the manager or the trainer throws the towel in, right then and there, uh, the fight is over. Because what they're saying is, is that uh, we quit, we can't take any more, we're done, out. Uh, well, Apollo Creed was getting beat up real bad. Stallone had the towel in his hand, and he's got that classic Stallone face. Like, <laughs> I think he sleeps like that, actually. <laughs> and he's like, no! And he throws the towel, but it's too late. And if you haven't seen the movie, it's only 40 years old. Well, we don't know what you're waiting on. But he throws the towel in the ring, and, but it was too late. And, and it, that moment of the movie was really, really sad. But I, I never forgot that, that moment because uh, it, when you throw the towel in on anything in life, you're, you're quitting. It's, it's, you quit. And uh, I want to talk about that today. I want to talk uh, about the, the matter of, of quitting um, if you're taking notes today um, within the app, you'll be able to email it to yourself. This is not in the notes, but I'd like for you to write this down. Quitting is addictive. Yeah. Quitting is very addictive. Uh, between the ages of 19 and 21, I think I had about 15, 16, 17 jobs. Uh, I was a waiter at every single restaurant in Beaumont. That Carabas over there, I've been there. There's a, a cassoulet, I've been there. I know the menu of all of them. Because once you start quitting, it just gets easier to quit. And it's very, very addictive. There's a book out written by Charles Duhigg called The Power of Habit. Phenomenal read. Uh, and he talks about in the book that willpower is like a muscle. Much like that bad boy right there. Can you see? You got to look close. But, but it, it, the more you use your willpower, the more you tell yourself to do something, uh, the, it begins to overflow into other areas of your life. And you actually begin to exercise willpower in multiple areas when you exercise it consistently in one area. Um, in, in fact, uh, in the book, he talks about how you, you, you learn to distract yourself. Listen to this. Distract yourself from temptation. Distract yourself from temptation. These are, this is what you learn while you're exercising willpower. Why am I talking about the issue of quitting this morning? Uh, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about the issue of quitting because I feel like it is the greatest threat that you and I as well as the church, face today. And, and I want to talk about spiritually quitting. A lot of times people quit um, pursuing God, quit being serious about their relationship with God, and they still come to church. You still come to church because it's really church attendance 
and Christ pursuing is two totally different things. Um, A person who attends church uh, but has quit on God recognizes that, yes, there is a heaven and I believe there's a hell and I don't want to go to hell, so I'm just going to keep going to church and I think I'll get there. Um, But a relationship with God, oftentimes people quit even though they haven't quit coming to church. Uh, They're no longer excited about the things of God. They no longer think about the things of God. Um, they, they look across the sanctuary and they see people worshiping and they think to themselves, I used to worship like that. Um, they no longer go to church as often as they used to. They've quit. And, and there's a satanic justification that takes place where... Satan begins to teach you to justify your soul. You justify your spirit. Uh, And so when people approach you and say, oh, you haven't been to church in a long time, you got this pat answer that you have prepared that sounds something like this. Well, I just don't believe that you have to go to church in order to go to heaven. Has anyone ever heard someone say that? Uh, Or here's another one. Um, Well, I I don't pray anymore because God knows my... You've heard that before. It's it's a spiritual justification. God knows my heart, so I don't pray that much anymore. I don't worship that much anymore because I've matured. Usually, cool people have cold hearts. We've got to be careful on how cool we get. But people, if they can call it whatever they want to call it, but at the end of the day, they've quit. It, it's, it's now a, a spiritual recreation to attend church. Just like anything else they attend, but it's just, it just has a spiritual dynamic to it. Uh, we're talking about God instead of anything else. People quit. They attend, but they quit. Um, they're here, but they're not pursuing uh, they quit. And, and what's interesting is that the enemy will use these people as uh, uh, examples to people who haven't quit. They'll whisper into their ear, hey, look, Joe quit, Susie quit, Amber quit, Letitia quit, Jeremiah quit, and they're doing just fine. They're doing fine. They'll whisper that into their ear, into your ear, and into my ear. They're doing just fine. It's it's okay to not be as passionate. You can scale back. It's okay. But at the end of the day, just quit. Jesus talks about people who have spiritually quit, and he throws out a lot of flags on the field. And and he talks about it in Matthew chapter 24. I'm going to give you five of them. There's more than that, but I'm going to give you five. Um, Here's here's, uh, the first one. The first reason for quitting Jesus' address uh, is Matthew 24, I'm sorry, verse 5. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. So the first reason is disappointment. Disappointment will make you quit. Um, When you get disappointed in a pastor and a preacher people quit. 
I remember when Allie and I started the church 11 years ago, three people showed up to the very first service, and then we had four, and then we had three again, and then we had seven, and then we had three again. It was like, ah. And I remember telling Allie, I just want to have 10. Just want to have 10 people. So we used to take the whole church out to eat. show up to Papacito to say a party for 10. We're going to pay for our whole church today. And what was so interesting at every increment, growth increment or watermark, people would leave our church. It was crazy. We'd get to like 50 and then like people would leave and then we'd get to 100 and then like some people would leave and get to 150 and some people would leave and they would leave because they, they no longer were able to, to go out to eat all the time. We had disappointed them because, you know, there once was a day where, um, you know, my cell phone was given to everybody and we ate dinner together, but now we're more than nine. And, and, and they quit. We disappointed them. And, and I feel really bad about that, but I trust that they found a, a good church home to be a part of. Um, but they quit. When, when spiritual leaders show their human side, they quit. Um, most people that meet me now, they look at me and they go, okay, you're anointed to preach it, but I'm betting you got to live it like everybody else, which is the truth. And you put your stinky feet in your socks one sock at a time, and, and you got to brush your teeth just like all of us, which is 100% too. True, I'm not Jesus, only he's Jesus, and when your expectations are not high. Where you don't have expectations, you can't be disappointed. Are you with me? Sometimes people get disappointed with Jesus because he didn't say yes. See, a lot of times we're not upset for, with God for not always saying yes. He just didn't say yes at that moment. And we hold that against him. We're upset that he didn't do what we asked him to do. And so we quit. We're still here, but we've quit. We don't pursue him anymore. We're disappointed in him. And, and I've got those prayers. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've got prayers that I've prayed, and, I, and to this day I don't understand why he didn't just do what I asked him to do. But then we have to ask ourselves, are, are we looking for a servant or are we looking for a God? Because those are two completely different things. If you want God to serve you, you're going to be very disappointed. But if you serve God, he will exceed your expectations. Uh, let me continue to unpack it. Um, and the second reason for quitting in Matthew chapter 24, verse 6, it says, You will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go against, will go to war I'm sorry, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. We shouldn't be surprised when we see this. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Conflict will make you want to quit. It's a conflict with people. It seems to be a staple in life. There's always that one neighbor down the street, right? There's always that one family member that you hope doesn't come to Thanksgiving dinner. Right? If you don't know who that one family member is, you might be that family. 
But there's always that one. It, the conflict seems to be a staple. But when people run into conflict, oftentimes they will quit on God, quit on church because they've had conflict. Whereas the Bible is so crystal clear that these things are repetitive. These things happen. Uh, you turn on the news every single day. And there's nation against nation, wars and rumors of wars. I, I enjoy running half marathons or full marathons. And for the first time in my life that I can ever remember. See, when, when I was in middle school and high school and, and college, uh, I'd, I'd open up the history book to study it one minute before the test. But all of those wars were like somewhere else, like in like battleground space somewhere. They were never here. And so now when I run a race, I wonder if I want to go to that race because I don't know if somebody's going to have a bomb. The, the things have changed. They've come into our world. Uh, never, ever before have I seen cops kill innocent civilians. And never before have I seen innocent cops be killed by civilians. I've never seen this before. Days have changed. The, the political process. Hello. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't watch the second debate because I just didn't have the stomach for it. It's, it's, it's gone crazy. Um, I did see the third debate. Have you guys seen the third debate? You haven't? It was on at like one in the morning last night. Here, I'll, I'll show you a clip. Now I had the time of my life. No, I never felt like this before. Yes, I swear, it's a truth, and I owe it all to you. Cause I had the time of my life, and I owe it all to you. I've been waiting for so long, now I finally found someone to stand by me. I feel like I can just watch that over and over again. I, I don't know what it is, but there's conflict and people quit over conflict. Uh, another reason, number three. Um, Jesus mentions the third reason on why people quit. Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, it says, Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Personal tribulations will make you want to quit. Um, if I had the time, I was going to bring an article up here and talk about uh, in Syria, Christians are being killed just for being a Christian. It's It's terrible. Uh, these 
these scriptures, just because they're not happening here, doesn't mean that they're not happening. They are happening. But everybody, if you call the Lord your Lord, will face tribulations. You will face trouble. You will face these moments of severe attack from creative ways. Um, Here's the reality. People quit when these threats come into their life. But I just want to just tell you now, if nobody has ever told you, let me tell you, when you threaten Satan, Satan threats you. You you just got to know that if you come walking into this church, an alarm goes off. An alarm goes off. There is a tracker. There are there hell's hounds just follow you. It's like those little chihuahua dogs. The minute you walk into a church with their big old eyeballs. (laughs) Oh my gosh! If you have a chihuahua, I'm so sorry. But those things don't shut up, those things, my gosh. I want to put a rubber band on their mouth. Go, <laughs> I, I really do love dogs, all dogs. But, <laughs> but they, they don't shut. When hell sees you, they track you, they follow you. You come walking into this house. You worship in your car. You take your cell phone, throw it underneath the seat and say, my car is a church right now. I'm going to worship my heart out. You do that. You mess around and do that. You are threatening hell. You are the object of hell's hatred. And, and hell will begin to threaten you. Um, and people quit when that happens. Some people have met uh, hell's ambassadors. They, they show up looking kind and nice, and they're not nice and kind at all. They're there to destroy and ruin your life. See, during Halloween, the little kids with cute faces put a scary mask on and they ring a doorbell. That's not how the enemy operates. He doesn't walk around with a scary mask on. The Bible says this, that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. So it's actually the exact opposite. They put on a nice mask and a smile to cover up evil ways. And many of us have met these demons um, that have ruined many of our lives or tried to. Um, Here's another uh, reason why people quit. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, it says this, Many of, and then many will be offended. They will betray, they will betray one another and will hate one another. Offense will make you want to quit. You will want to quit when you are offended. This word is not in the Webster's Dictionary. If it is, it's news to me. Don't check your smartphone to find out if it is. Wait till after service. But there's a word I want to introduce to all of us, and it's unoffendable unoffendable wouldn't it be awesome to be unoffendable there's some days where i feel like i'm unoffendable and then the next day i'm the most sensitive puddle of emotion that there is but oh to be unoffendable to carry an offense is tiresome to be unoffended gives you rest unoffendable if, if you went to cheesecake factory this afternoon 
And you open up the doors and you walk in. Is there anybody that you could see that you would say, oh, see you later, bye-bye. Because they have offended you and you're still carrying it. Uh, I want to say, let's be unoffendable. Yeah. Now, let me be abundantly clear. There are some people that if you walk into that restaurant, you need to walk out because there are such things as divine disconnections where God does not want you around that person. They may be going to heaven, but they're not good for you. Are you with me? I'm starting to preach good now. They're not good for you. They're divine disconnections. You can have divine connections where the Lord says, I want this person in your life, and I want you in their life. And then there's other times where there's like, you two, just your matches and your gasoline, bad things. And some of us are so hard-headed, we just keep going back. Uh-oh, I'm starting to chase a bunny. There's, there we go. It's just their divine disconnections. But the reality is this, is that when we're offended, um, we, we are not our best selves. And people quit pursuing God. They quit over offense. Uh, there, there are, there, there's something that I've, I've thought to myself, uh, and I'll just jump right into it. In Matthew chapter 24, it says this, verse 12. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. A love deficit will make you want to quit. You know, if, if people don't love you the way you want to be loved, you will want to quit. Um, I, I haven't quit, and, and most of you in this room haven't quit. But I want to talk about five reasons why, I, actually four reasons why I haven't quit. Number one is because uh, it was real. My salvation experience was real. Many of yours was real too. Let me tell you about mine. I was six years old, laying in the bed. Uh, my brother was, uh, we shared a room. He was in his bed and we were upstairs and, and I was just playing with my dolls because that's what you do when you can't fall asleep. And I had this curious George doll that I have to this day. And when I got married 15 years ago, my wife had to scoot over. <laughs> so I love my curious George doll so much. He's got one eye. We've been through a lot together. Uh, but I remember I set my curious George doll down and, and the reality that Jesus died for my sins just hit me. And I, I was six years old and I just started crying. I remember tears going in my ear. And I told the Lord, I want to I give you something to say thank you. And I had my hands up like this. I said, I want to give you something to say thank you. And, and it dawned on me that I don't own anything that even my bed my dad bought. I was like six years old, and I said, I don't have anything to give you. And so with my eyes closed and tears just rolling out of my face, I said, Jesus, I'll just give you me. I'll give you me, and, and I'll serve you, and I'll do whatever you want to do, and I just want to be close to you. And, and, and tears came, and that was real. And in and, and your moment that you could raise your hand and say, I remember when I did that same thing. And if you've never done that, today's the day where you can do that. And when you've had that real moment, you just don't quit. 
The second reason why I don't quit is the knowledge that I have of the Bible. See, I had really good Sunday school teachers when I was a kid. I don't remember any, uh, I think if I tried hard, I could remember, but my dad was a pastor. I don't remember many Bible lessons my dad taught me as a kid. Um, I remember a lot of Bible that my Sunday school teachers taught me. I had some good Sunday school teachers, and, and they, they, they told me the whole Bible. They didn't, they didn't give me the impression that all I got to do is love Jesus and my life is going to just be tap dancing through the daisies. They didn't feed me that line. They didn't insinuate that, hey, if you just love Jesus, your life is just going to be peaches and cream and a little bit of cobbler. No, they, they told me the whole Bible. What I mean by the whole Bible, that, see, a lot of us in this room, we know the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper, to give you a future. And all. We, we know that one. But how many of us know John 16, 33, where it says, as long as you're here in this world, you are going to have trouble. That's nobody's bumper sticker. <laughs> That's a, they're not making t-shirts out of that one, are they? You know, we got magnets that say, you know, love bears all faults and it's got a little bear, but, but no, no trouble is coming your way. Well, I, I had good Sunday school teachers. I had good Sunday school teachers that, that, that put knowledge in my little brain at fourth and fifth grade. God bless you parents who have children in the children's church right now. God bless you who teach children's church. You get it in their brain. Uh, I, I, when trouble came, I wasn't surprised I, I didn't think that God was ignoring me because trouble came. When trouble came, I was like, I've been expecting this. <laughs> I had a feeling this was coming. It's like seeing that, that hurricane on the Doppler radar and it's spinning. And then it comes to your house. It's like, I've been watching you on the news. I knew you were coming. And, and sure enough, and, and I don't want to get too serious, but, you know, that hurricane came into my family and, and tore it to pieces. Not a literal hurricane, a spiritual hurricane. And, and I've got a lot of stories, as do you, where life has been hard and it's given some scars and bruises. But I wasn't surprised by it. I didn't quit. And, and neither have you, otherwise you wouldn't be here because we have the knowledge. Uh, number three, um, we didn't quit, and, and I don't quit personally because that would be a sign of ingratitude. That's your fill-in within your app. It's, it's ingratitude. See, um, I, I, I distinctly remember what God has forgiven me of. God doesn't remember it. Thank you, Jesus. It's from, as far as the east is from the west. One time I was preaching, this was about four or five years ago. Somebody came in, they were sitting on the back row. And, and I looked back there, I was like, man, that person looks like somebody I went to high school with. And I was like, surely not. And so I went back there and I met him. And I was like, it is. 
I need every usher and every security guard to get this person out of this building, out of the city. They've seen too much. They've heard too much. Get them out. Anyone? Oh, you guys want to act perfect? That's cool. <laughs> just been loving the Lord ever since I could take my first breath. Just, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I love you, Lord. I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, that's not my story. If you walk by a closet, you're going to hear clackety, clackety. I got skeletons. I got a whole family of skeletons in there. I got the Brady Bunch in there. Don't even walk by it. God's forgiven me so much. You are so lucky that God's blood, his forgiveness is, is never ending because I took like 75 million gallons to wash my sins away. You are so lucky that his mercy is bottomless. He's full of mercy and it never is exhausted. But it would be a sign of ingratitude to quit. To, to quit would to be, I, I, I know what you did for me, but I'm still quitting. Uh, the last reason why I don't quit is um, I made a promise. I made a promise when, when I gave my life to the Lord. I was six years old. See, um, right now, today, there's certain things that I really want to be awesome at. Like, I want to be an, an awesome dad. And, and I've watched some of you parent, and I'm like, man, you are big competition to be the best dad this year because you're good dads too. And, and I, I want to be a good dad. And, and I want to be a, an awesome husband. I really do. And, and I live with those things in my mind that if my heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, what would my kids say? What would my wife say? I, I want to be an awesome pastor, but I don't want to be an awesome pastor on your scale. I want God to say he, he did it the way he was supposed to, and I'm proud of him. I don't, it's, it's very difficult to live for man's applause and God's. And, and I really want you guys to like me. I really do. Uh, but I, I don't want you to like me so bad that I'm going to act a certain way and disappoint God. But I want to be a good pastor. I want to be a good dad. Uh, I want to be able to lay my head on the pillow at night and say, man, I've got goals and you know, I've been disciplined and I'm knocking them down. But none of those things did I promise God when I was six. I didn't promise God any of those things. Uh, being a husband never crossed my mind. That was gross. Uh, what, what I promised God was that I was his. That's what I promised him. And I promised him that forever I would be his. And that he could use me for whatever he wants. I promised him that. And, and I promised that I would hang on to see what the end looks like. And, and that promise is not quite completed yet. And, and that's why I don't quit. And, and if you have quit, I want to encourage you to get back into the fight. 
It is a fight. It's not a picnic. It's a fight. But to get back in the fight and, and retake your post. Because we need you.